The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing in the temple, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of the heart of the one who believes in me shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Gospel of the Lord. The Feast of Pentecost is uh, actually originally a Jewish feast, uh, so it's kind of interesting. There's only a few feasts that have been transferred over from the Jewish faith into our Catholic faith, uh, one of the other ones being, Pen uh, pardon me, I just said Pentecost, um, Passover, slip of the tongue there. Uh, Passover, as we know, you know that corresponds with our uh, the, the Paschal Mystery, of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and so we celebrate that leading up into Easter. And what they would do is they would also celebrate uh, Pentecost, which would come 50 days after Passover. So these feasts were something that was tied as well to kind of the, the fruit of the land. They were, they were harvest feasts. They had religious uh, meaning as well, but I just want to start by explaining a little bit about the, uh, just the harvest feast aspect of it. So at uh, Passover, for example, Passover was the time of, you know, it's the beginning of spring. You have that, the, the first fruits of your crops. So anyone who's a farmer knows there's kind of like two stages mainly to your farming that you have the first fruits, which is when you get kind of that first yield. And, that, and so that's a real time to celebrate. You know, when you don't live in a, in a modern society like this where we have everything industrialized, but you know, you're really, really severely dependent on how well does the, does the land allow you to grow what you need to grow. You don't have the same levels of technology. You don't have uh, greenhouses and other things like this. And so there was a great excitement when you came to those first fruits. They were the sign that finally we have that blessing from the Lord. We know we're going to see a good yield coming later and we can have that excitement to know we can have our food right now. So there was that, that initial kind of aspect there. Secondly, 50 days later, which, by the way, if you're wondering why is Pentecost called Pentecost, is pent, penta, from the word five, right? It meant 50 days. That's, that's what Pentecost means. It means 50 days. The, the feast that happens 50 days later. So after that time, you would have the, the main yield of the harvest, right? It was the big celebration that now all of our crops are coming to that full yield. You know, we had our first fruits before and now we have everything coming into fruition. So there was that kind of big celebration happening there. On a religious perspective, they were celebrating, first of all, at Passover. We know all about that. I don't need to explain those details. I think we all have fairly clear the Passover uh, that happened in Egypt as they were hoping that uh, they were going to be freed by God from slavery in Egypt. And then that gets translated over to our feast where Jesus gives his life on the cross, that just as the angel passed over all the houses that had the blood on the lintels, 
the blood of the Lamb, so those who receive Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, they are saved by his blood. So we have that salvation aspect as well. Look at Pentecost, though. What's happening at Pentecost? What's the, what was the, for the Jewish people, how did they understand religiously, theologically, Pentecost? Well, they tied it, interestingly, to Mount Sinai and the receiving of the Ten Commandments. So if you think about, first of all, they're in Egypt, right? They're coming to escape from slavery. They've had the ten plagues, and God has now given the final plague, and they're now, Pharaoh finally lets them go, frees them, so that we have, there we have Passover. Then they have their time of wandering in the desert, right? And then eventually we come to this point where God reveals to them at Mount Sinai, he gives them the law. He gives them the Ten Commandments and he gives them the law. Well, what happens at the time, if you read in Exodus, it says they all gathered around the mountain and then suddenly there was the presence of God descended upon the mountain. Now just imagine how, how like, you know, immense this must have been. You're there at the foot of the mountain and God says, don't touch the mountain because the presence of God is going to descend upon it. So this is holy. This is holy ground. And then this smoke envelops and fills the mountain. Why? Because it says fire descended upon the mountain. And then after that, then Moses is invited to come up the mount. He goes up the mount and God gives him the law. And then, I mean, and we know the rest. He comes down from the mountain and found that they couldn't wait and they were off doing other things that they shouldn't be. But how does that relate to Pentecost for us? Well, we see what happens at Pentecost. But there, the apostles, after first we had the first fruits of Jesus Christ, that he has given his life on the cross, that he is our salvation and he has risen from the dead. And just last week, we saw he ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father. He goes up as our priest, and then he sends down his Holy Spirit upon the apostles as tongues of fire. Just like the fire descended upon Mount Sinai, now the fire of the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles. So this is why... The fact that this happens on Pentecost, the, the Jews knew what was going on. They recognized what they were being given is a new law. That's why we say that God has inscribed the law upon our hearts. So just as Moses and the Israelites received the law of God, that, the whole, that, that God descended like a fire upon the mountain, now he sends his fire upon his apostles and fills them with his Holy Spirit that they have the law inscribed on their hearts. This is that new law. So this is, this is why this is such an exciting and amazing feast. How, how incredible it would have been to be there when the apostles went out. Once they were filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues, in other languages. So that people around them understand what they're saying. That in different languages from all across the world, everyone who was there understood what they were saying. 
So this shows a number of things. One, just like the fire of God descended upon Mount Sinai, and now the fire of the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles, so that was God descending upon the mount, and so we know the Holy Spirit is revealed as divine. This is part of the revelation. First we have at, at, at Passover, we, and the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is revealed as divine. And so now the Holy Spirit is revealed as divine. We're seeing the Holy Trinity being manifest before us. God is revealing himself. But then not only is he, before he inscribed the law on tablets of stone, now he inscribes the law upon our hearts. There is a, a deeper intimacy and call and involvement had here. You know, God is not just simply speaking to one man, Moses, who's then as the representative going to pass that on to everyone else and tell them the law. But now upon each and every one of us, God sends his Holy Spirit. Now you may say, what, 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 you know, I never had that happen. You know, when, when do I get the Holy Spirit? When do I get tongues of fire descending upon me that I may speak and proclaim to the ends of the earth? That's what confirmation is. Confirmation is linked inextricably to Pentecost. That's why traditionally, as we've seen in many years gone past, it's getting a little more difficult now as dioceses get bigger and things like that, but on, on, on Pentecost is when we typically would have confirmations. And we try to match them in and around confirmation. Because that is the sign that there, just like the disciples received the Holy Spirit, we received the Holy Spirit. He came down upon us and filled us with what? The fire of the presence of God. That we are infused and is written upon our hearts the very law of the Lord. This is why when we teach about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, what all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to do is to equip us to live out our faith, that we may love and serve God as we ought to. You, know, you think about like the spirit of understanding. What do we need to understand? We need to understand the will of God. We need to understand the faith. To have the wisdom to know God's will. To have the knowledge of the faith. You know, that we may be filled with wonder and awe and reverence, fear of God. Not fear and trembling in the sense of being afraid like of something that's bad, but in something that is holy, that is awe-inspiring. That we are just in awe and witness of God in His presence. And then also, that we may speak that we may proclaim the faith. You think about what that, that miracle that happened to the apostles at first where they spoke and everyone understood. What were they proclaiming? The gospel. They were proclaiming Jesus Christ. And what do we have now? We have Catholic churches all throughout the world in all different languages all to the ends of the earth. 
So not only did that faith spread throughout the world, but now we have voices who can speak and proclaim the gospel to all nations. Which means what Pentecost has done is it's made us able to proclaim the faith, to speak the faith with courage, right? With, with, with strength and conviction that we may know that, we, that what we love, what we've experienced, what law, what, what, what God has given into our hearts, what he has filled us with, that with enthusiasm we can go out and evangelize and proclaim that good news to others. And if you maybe have wondered, you know, I don't feel like I've had that kind of experience. You know, my confirmation maybe came and went fairly without much fanfare, you know. Maybe we were focused more on just the party and the celebration and some other things. You know, we didn't really... I didn't really sense like that the Holy Spirit descended upon me. Well, here's the great news. Even if you missed out on recognizing what you received at confirmation, it doesn't mean you didn't receive it. You still received it. It's there. God is there. The Holy Spirit is there on your heart. The only thing that's maybe lacking is that we were not aware that we were given a great gift. You know, like imagine at Christmas, you know, someone, your parents give you a whole pile of gifts under the tree, beautiful gifts, and you celebrate and you give thanks and, wow, this is amazing. And then you just never open them. You just kind of leave them under the tree and you're like, well, that was fun. Christmas was great. Let's go do something else, right? The gifts are still there. They're waiting under the tree. Go open them up. Go discover them. And you might say, how? How do I do that? Pray. Ask God. Ask God to reveal to you his gifts. Ask God to reveal his will to you. Because the Lord is always speaking to us. The Lord is always looking to draw us deeper. But often it's just a matter of us kind of activating, waking up, seeing that God is already dwelling within us. So we have only to look within and say, Lord, show me your face. Reveal to me your gifts. Open your gifts for me that I may use them. You know? And then you discover what they are. You'll start to find over time. You know, it may not happen all at once. You may have an immense grace that happens at that moment. It may be more silent. It may be something that day by day in peace as you pray and you look to the Lord that you start to find, I never noticed how God was working through me. I never noticed how God was speaking to me. You know, I never took the time to stop and pray. And so today, we have an opportunity. We are going to receive once again the Holy Spirit. The Lord is going to renew over you His Holy Spirit, fill you with the fire of His love. And so all we need to do is say, yes, Lord, I'm open. Give me what you got. You know? Show me. Show me what you want to reveal in me.
and just let it happen. Listen to the words at Mass. Pray, especially as we come to receive the Eucharist. And this is for those of you making your first communion today. Here's something really great. Now, you're not ready for your confirmation yet. You'll receive your confirmation later, but you are still going to receive an amazing gift here at this altar. Because you're going to receive Jesus himself in the Eucharist. When you come up and you hold out your hands, and I place that little host on your hands, that's Jesus. And for everyone else here too, that's the same. When we receive our first communion, that's only the first time. But every time we receive the Eucharist, we receive our Lord. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the love of the Father. The Trinity dwells within us and empowers us like he empowered the apostles. And we have no idea what God may choose to do through us unless we first give him our yes. So let's give him our yes here today at the altar to have that reverent spirit as we come up to receive the Eucharist and know that that is our God. And he will fill us with his spirit this day and we can open the gifts and we can be renewed in ways untold that God gives his very self to us to dwell in us and to inscribe himself upon our hearts.